died last summer and it just kind of the light bulb went went off and I was like, you know, I probably could piece together a lot of this into some sort of loop. And then I started doing it more and more and the kilometers were adding up and then I kept hearing more and more about all these bike packing events and and things that are out there um, all over North America and all over Europe now and all over the world. So uh, and then I was just like, ah, maybe I'll just put it out there and see what happens. With some really just kind of easy recommendations like cook more, which most people probably should do. One of the things that's um, kind of ready to go the way of the dodo is family dinners. And you know, studies show again, I mean, families eat together are happier and also healthier. That's Matthew Katie. Welcome to the Bike Pack Canada podcast. Hello, Bike Pack Canada. This is Joanne from Calgary, currently in beautiful Canmore, Alberta. Uh, I'm not on a bike adventure or training ride or anything, but uh, it's still a pretty big day. It's new bike day. And um, I'm picking up my new bike at Rebound Cycle in Canmore, and I purchased a brand new Salsa Cutthroat. And oh my goodness, um, he is a sweet ride, beautiful, and uh, it's just unreal. I'm over the moon. I want to thank Tyson and James at Rebound so much for all their advice, answering all my questions for the bike fit, um, for the service. It was unreal. It was a fantastic new bike buying experience. Planning on going on lots of adventures and rides this year and many years to come. Uh, it's my first boy bike. Funny enough, all my other bikes in the family are girls. Uh, so I want to welcome Bam Bam to the family. Uh, I thought that name popped and uh, it fit perfectly with the cutthroat. Uh, so yeah, I hope everybody's out there enjoying their weekend, having adventures, riding their bikes. And I'm out and I'm happy. Bye. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Bike Pack Canada podcast. I'm your host, Steve O'Shaughnessy. Thanks, Joanne Maurice, for that great intro. New Bike Day is always a good time, and I'm sure Bam Bam has a few hundred kilometers on him already. In honor of Bam Bam, Rebound Cycle has some great offers for you. Based on what I know about a lot of you, I'm sure your bikes are already on the trail. But you know what? That bike needs some love. Head on over to Rebound Cycle, and the folks there will tune your whip up for you. Mention the podcast and the secret password, Bam Bam, and they'll knock 10% off your tune. If your bike is already good to go and you just need some goods, you know what? Rebound Cycle is going to knock 10% off that stuff too. Just use the secret password, Bam Bam, at checkout to get those savings. Rebound Cycle has everything you need to start your adventure, so get on over there and say hi. Look, I know a lot of you are not local to Canmore, so Rebound Cycle is going to have a giveaway going as well. It's open to everyone in the community, so send a quick email to Rebound Cycle to enter the giveaway, and don't forget the secret password. Put Bam Bam in the subject line to be entered to win some pretty cool stuff. Send your entry to Tyson at ReboundCycle.com. The giveaway is open till the weekend of May 18th. Hey, and don't forget to send your voice clips and emails to BikePackCanadaPodcast at gmail.com because I love hearing from you guys. Send that, and I'll get them on the show. All right, well, I have a couple of congratulations to send out. On, uh, I guess, a couple of weeks ago now, Leonard Pretorius successfully completed his Everesting in Kamloops. That guy is a beast. He did, like, climb Mount Everest in, like, 21 hours. So I'll be chatting with Leonard next week uh, to get some more details on that. And I also wanted to say congratulations to Hugh Oliver on his run at the AZT300. 51 hours and 40 minutes. Just crazy. I've reached out to Hugh as well and hope we can have a chat coming up in the next couple weeks. All right, what's coming up? Well... On Saturday, May 18th, we have the 2019 Buckshot happening in Kamloops. On May 25th, there's the 2019 Ride for Ryan. And also on the 25th, there's the Battle Lake Bike Packers Meetup. Make sure you head over to Facebook to get the details on these events. And of course, we can't forget the 2019 Bike Pack Summit happening in Canmore on September 27th through the 29th. Make sure you stay tuned online to keep up to date on that. So today, I bring you Matthew Cady, nutrition, food, and travel writer, professional recipe developer, travel and food photographer, cookbook author, 
Oh, yeah, and he also organized the BT-700 between all that stuff. Beautiful route through southern Ontario. I really enjoyed chatting with Matthew, and since he's also a, a registered dietitian, we delved into that as well, which I always enjoy. And now I bring you Matthew Cady. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me today. No, thanks for uh, agreeing to uh, do this. Oh, man, you're a busy guy. Thanks for reaching out. How, yeah. was, your, how was your day? What'd you do? Oh, what did I do today? Just uh, wrote some, working on some articles and yeah. Doing answering the... some uh, BT700 emails. And <laughs> yeah. How's that been going for you? Oh, it's been way more than I had expected. It's, it's been crazy. I think some of it is we haven't really had that out east. And um, where I am, there's like a huge, there's like a big population base. Yeah. I mean, not too far from Toronto and, of course. you know, all those cities around there. So um, it's probably been a, a, there's a bigger pool, I think, of people who are ready for an event like this. Are you the first event out there? Yeah, I was. But now there's another one in Ontario starting this summer as well awesome so um and i'm trying to work on actually um add to my route to connect to the other route to make it like a huge oh. kind of so yeah so well we could that... end up with easily over a thousand kilometers oh, of like great. touring touring terrain <laughs> that'd be awesome um yeah because yeah, it's 700k right yeah uh 712 as it stands right 712. now 12 that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And um, but, have you done yeah. a race before? I've never done like, no, I've done, I mean, I've done years and years of touring, but right. never really anything that I've really tried to like have, you know, a set number of days or something like that. Right. You've been riding bikes and touring a long time. Tell us about some of those trips. Yeah, I think um, probably since like 1999, been cycle touring around the world, um, one or two trips a year. Uh, my girlfriend and I were, we, we can't tolerate a full winter <laughs> over here in Ontario. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> we got to get away. I hear that. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, first tour was, uh, New Zealand way back in, uh, this winter 99, 2000 and, uh, caught the bug. And I think, I, I don't think there's been a year since I haven't, we haven't tried to find somewhere to go. That's awesome. Go pedal away. Um, you know, back way back before even bikepacking was <laughs> yeah. a word or a no, yeah, like so, o old um, school baggage, right? Like, um, yeah. I guess I don't yeah, know if I it's... think my first, like New Zealand was like, yeah, the trailer, like All one right. of those like a uh, bob? bob trailers. Oh yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So first couple, I think first tours, three or four tours, I used the bob and then realized, uh, maybe I should try the bags <laughs> and I've. I would probably not go back to a trailer again. <laughs> yeah, that would be rough in, in some some types of terrain. It would be kind of tough to navigate that with a trailer, I would imagine. Yeah, like steep hills are, yeah, I just, it doesn't, with all the weight back there. And, and also like some of the transportation issues with the extra, the trailer. Like if you right. had to take a bus or something like that, a bit of a pain in the butt. Do you think it but, kind of uh, encourages you to carry more stuff? if you have more space to pack that you carry more stuff? That's always, that's always like, you know, it's the same with like, if you take like front and rear panniers for spike packing bags, you're probably going to stuff a lot more in those panniers. Yeah. <laughs> fill them up. you got more room. Yeah. Yeah. Fill them with food. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, like New Zealand, that's been Ireland, uh, a lot of Southeast Asia, like yeah. Laos, Thailand, Cambodia, uh, Myanmar, which was one of our favorite places. And I was looking at some of your um, photos; they're amazing. Yeah. And Vietnam, which we really enjoyed as well, and uh, yeah, uh, Sri Lanka, which was quite populous but pretty fun as well. And where else have we been? It's Cuba and Costa Rica a couple times, which is um, we could talk about it more. But after a couple of winters there, that place is just perfect for bike packing. Yeah, it's awesome there. Were you yeah. riding um, yeah. like in the jungle or beaches or mountains or yeah, everything? Yeah, you yeah. can go up. You can go up into the highlands more, um, where the like the volcanoes are, and ride through some pretty pretty crazy terrain there, like jungle and um, some really some really big inclines. And then you just you can skirt down to the ocean, and you got some really really um, 
some really great beach beach riding there as well. Like you don't need like a fat bike. It's kind of some hard pack sand. Oh yeah, cool. And that's like super fun. Yeah. Awesome. So and Costa Rica is like safe. Um, this, if you like to camp, you can camp in a lot of places. It's not a big issue. Um, we're both really into bird life and the birds there are just, you could be cycling and you got like two cans flying over you, awesome. which is just amazing. So, um, yeah, like, so after two, two, uh, two scouting missions there for a couple of winters, we've put together a loop there that I think, uh, we'll try to get out the spread the word about cause it's a great winter destination for oh, Canadians. For sure. We're wanting just to, ah, I'd love to go somewhere for a couple of weeks and, you know, ride some dirt and, you know, experience some warmer climates. And it's, uh, yeah, it's a really, really awesome destination. What kind of got you motivated to start bike touring in the first place? Did you kind of start as a commuter riding bikes and then? Yeah, I think, uh, I remember, I think it was yeah, after university, I um, joined, I just did some cycle, uh, what is it the word like i uh, like a tour guide in eastern canada oh okay for a summer and uh i think like that really kind of just oh this is great just kind of living on your bike <laughs> you know day in and day out so you're and taking then, people on on like they pay you to take them touring yeah oh, yeah cool. and i mean i mean back then i was at the university i admit that i wasn't the greatest tour guide in the world i was kind of like just doing my own ride <laughs> you guys want to come <laughs> let's go gone, yeah i've never gone back to that but uh someone was just i remember one day we were in a van driving and one of the one of the guests was just um raving about new zealand and this is way before like you know um was it lord of the rings and all the oh yeah the, more of the and stuff like that so um tourism was a little bit more low-key there and uh yeah so i think the spelling winter i decided you know i didn't really have much employment at the time and had some money saved so i went over to new zealand uh for three months and just you know turned around turned around there and it was just like never got bored and i just love like you know the thought of cycle touring is about like just breaking things down to more simplistic kind of yeah worries you know you got you worry more just about you know finding shelter Right. Well, food, you have your shelter just, with you, so. Yeah, yeah. Or <laughs> no worries. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Your tent, but finding somewhere for your tent, I guess. Yeah, of course. Uh, and back then, you know, it was way before social media and like even no GPS. Like it was just paper maps. Right. So you know, a lot, of kind of, you know, for pros and cons with that. And uh, so I think, I mean, I'm definitely not alone. But once you kind of get that bug, it's really, it's really hard to think about traveling in a different way. Yeah. You know, like getting on the bus and going from A to B doesn't really seem that appealing that much. Yeah, get on a chicken bus with a bunch of other people and yeah, crammed yeah, in yeah. there. <laughs> bus stations kind of suck. <laughs> yeah. And, and walking is so slow, <laughs> man. If you think you so. got a good vibe for touring after that, just wait till you, you meet all these people on the BT 700. It's yeah. yeah you yeah, think yeah. it's good now. It's going to be so, uh, it's going to change your life. I think it changed yeah. my life. It's just the community. is So it's not very big. And mm -hmm. everyone is so motivated and the, the level of stoke, whether you're just touring it for six days or people yeah. who want to ride it in two days, everyone's just on the same wavelength. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, admittedly, I'm a bit, uh, um, a little bit nervous cause you know, I put this thing together and there's so many people taking vacation time and, and everything like that. Yeah. So you kind of want it to run. I think it's a great route. I mean, uh, but you know, I have, as my girlfriend was saying, you know, sometimes you have to have a thick skin because with that many people, there will be some people who, you know, have a beef with a few sections or. I think, I think bike packers know what they're getting into. They've, they've probably followed a bike packing scene long enough that they know what these are about. And they're just about starting and keep moving forward until you finish. I think you're going to have a blast. Everyone's going to love it. So um, yeah. Tell us more about the route. So the route, I think it's a little, um, yeah, how do I describe the route? I think, I mean, for one thing, it's a little different over here in Ontario because we don't have, uh, I, mean, I mean, admittedly, the West Coast is a bit of a foreign experience for me. It's been over 15 years since I've oh, been yeah. out there. But, but I mean, I think you guys have more of the wide open, long, you know, t you know, probably like 200 kilometer stretches of roads <laughs> or, or something Sometimes, like that. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. 
And I think here in Ontario, it took a lot more work to kind of piece together all of these different sections to make them uh, work together and not feel like you're always in more of um, kind of populous zones. Um, so, yeah, I think, how do I describe it? I think over the years, I've been playing around on more gravel roads and trails. And then I was on one ride last summer and it just kind of light bulb went went off and I was like you know I probably could piece together a lot of this into some sort of loop not even knowing I thought it would be just a loop that I would totally selfishly just use for myself <laughs> you know just something I would do like every summer or something like that you want to get away for a few days and then I started doing it more and more and the kilometers were adding up and then I kept hearing more and more about all these bike packing events and and things that are out there um, all over North America and all over Europe now and all yeah, over the world everywhere. So, uh, and then I was just like, ah, maybe I'll just put it out there and see what happens. Um, so I finally like linked everything up and it's kind of a, a mix of gravel roads. We have some really, really nice gravel roads, um, uh, rail trail, uh, which is always, uh, nice. Cause it kind of sometimes parallels some more busier sections of road. And then we have, uh, we can call them road allowances, which are kind of like, you know, like really like backcountry roads. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That haven't seen cars in decades. Right. Awesome. <laughs> so perfect. Maybe. Yeah. Some like, you know, off-roading uh, motorcycles and stuff like that. Um, so I think those are kind of the three primary kind of surfaces that people, people will get through. There's a bit of single track in there oh, as cool. well. I was just going to ask. So yeah. We're going to. Yeah, we're gonna see how that works out this year, and if people like that or not. I looked um, at the I looked at the route on Ride with GPS, and it looks like it's peppered with uh, resupply. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. I always like to say it's like uh, remote. It, it feels remote without being remote. Right. So you 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 there's no like hundred kilometer stretch without like food or a camping option or something. That's awesome. Like you that. wouldn't have to bring any food with you. Not really. No, I mean, you just could a resupply. little bit. Yeah, yeah, depending on um, where you want to stay and things like that. But so that's one kind of advantage of it out here is um, I like, I mean, I don't know, but I heard like there were sections on um, the ones you've done where you need to have something because you got like 200 kilometers or more. Yeah, well, the ones that I've done, again, I'm pretty new to the scene as well, but the ones Mm -hmm. I've done, um, yeah, you weren't really going further than a couple hundred kilometers without without finding something. It's not like, yeah. going through the basin on the tour divide where you're going to be in there for three days. Yeah. You, know, if, so you really if, have to plan ahead. Yeah. And bring enough food for that. But um, yeah, I mean the, the AR 700 this year has changed. Um, it's changed the route just to help people logistically. Cause it was a really hard race to pull off because you had to get home from way up North. Oh, so, so it's a loop now, right? It's kind of a loop now. Yeah. It's well, kind of a yeah. figure eight, I think actually. Okay. And uh, I haven't researched, I should start researching it a bit more, but it looks like there's, there's not quite as much resupply, like, but about the same, like maybe a couple hundred K, maybe 250 K between resupply points, which isn't, that's really not that big of a deal. I mean, that's just a day, right? So it's, it's not, yeah, exactly. it's not too bad. So, um, but yeah, I would think awesome. the nice, the nice thing about all this resupply and everything is that if it's, um, if there's people who are new to like the bike, bike packing and cycle touring, um, then it's pretty approachable that way. Yeah, because people will feel safe, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so in terms of the planning uh, part of it, you said you're kind of, you know, you're you're anxious and nervous about it. But how how has it been? Is it is it? Have you just been fielding tons of emails and questions? And uh, are you are you providing spots? Are you doing spot rentals for people? Or um, I haven't really. I had actually too many requests about the spot rentals and I wasn't sure I wanted to kind of take on that logistical. Yeah. Just because I have some other, a lot of other logistical things I'm working through as well. Um, so that would be kind of one more thing. Um, I'll play that one by ear, see how, yeah. it, how it kind of goes. And, um, but I haven't had like a massive kind of demand for that. So um, that's good. How many people are signed up? On the back- oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. It's on the back of my mind. So uh, as it gets closer, I might think of that one through. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to work with, uh, like the local, like, uh, tourism boards and, and, um, you know, and local businesses along the route. Cause one of my goals is to make this kind of, uh, 
a, like a micro economy type of situation where, you know, the businesses and the regions through this route really look forward to the riders coming through. Oh, for sure. Um, and they're kind of, you know, the money, you know, it's not a ton of money, but it's something and like bringing in um, more uh, like kind of tourism dollars to these areas. Um, so I've really been spending a lot of time kind of reaching out to um, these different like stakeholders along the route to try to, um, to try to make it like also to make um, the experience for the riders is really as awesome as possible. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And even trying to find like local landowners that are like, Oh sure. I'd, I'd love to like provide like some tenting space for, um, for riders or even somewhere just, you know, they can stop and fill their water bottles, yeah. things like that. So uh, yeah, yeah, we'll see how that all plays out. That'll make it an awesome experience. I know there's a, I think the tour divide has evolved into that where, you know, there's trail angels leaving stuff on the road for yeah, people. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah. yeah. I'd love for it to be something like that. Yeah, it's, that'd be awesome. That would, yeah. You know, now that you've started it, you can't stop it, right? You're going to have to do it every single no, year now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> every single year. It's just like when I started this podcast, I knew that if I start this, I can't stop it. I'm going to have no, to just keep sure. it going forever. <laughs> as long as people don't get sick of hearing me. So we talked a bit about resupply. What are your go-to foods? I know we're going to talk about it, but you're a, you're a, res, a registered dietitian. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So, so from the, uh, your, uh, perspective, what are your go-to foods? Go-to foods. Do you mean when I'm riding or in general? When you're riding. When I'm riding. Like okay. what are you going um, to bring on, on the BT? <laughs> on the butter, the butter tart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I might eat a few butter tarts along the way. <laughs> Do you guys have a lot of butter tarts out west? Yeah, you know what? Having grown up in Ontario, I ate my fair share of butter tarts, but I didn't know it was so prolific. Oh, like in Ontario, like I'll get back to your original question. Yeah, yeah, let's like talk Ontario, about butter tarts. <laughs> every bakery and every general store, and like it's just it's like you just it's become such a thing. So I mean, I was like, I have to call it that. <laughs> I can't oh, yeah. think of any other better name. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great because actually yeah. it's funny. It reminds me, again, I, on the AR700, I was at the top of Highwood Pass and it's like a big climb. Uh, I can't remember how many kilometers it is to the top of that climb, but got to the top and I th- there was uh, some motorcycle tour people there and uh, my buddy Jamie and I were just chatting and, and this person comes up and he's like, hey, here, and he gives us a package, like packaged of uh, two butter tarts. And I was oh, like, yeah. oh my God, thank you. Ah. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, obviously you don't feed on butter tarts when you're riding your bike. What do you eat? Yeah, no, I try not to because that's, yeah, the dietitian thing gets in the way. <laughs> uh, um, so I kind of use a combination of um, kind of, you know, admittedly like some packaged fuel, like, um, uh, gels and bars and things like that but i also really pride myself on making some of my own fuel so i'll make like you know um for example like energy balls or things like that yeah, i saw those they just, look good they always taste so much fresher for some reason and i mean if you just rely i always tell people if you rely too much on the package stuff you're just going to get palate fatigue um, i was talking about that on yeah. the last podcast where your tongue burns like it it goes raw kind of yeah like- you just kind of get sick of the the Ibuka just kind of, you know, yeah. same flavors and, and also like just, so it's two problems. You can get like the gut rock, and happen, yeah. but also if you get palate fatigue, what happens is you stop eating enough. Right. So it's like, you're not taking enough fuel cause you're not really excited about that fuel. Yeah. So that's a problem there. So I think, um, I like to kind of mix it up. Um, and I mean, I want to, we could talk about it later, but I, I, made a whole cookbook about making your own fuel. Yeah. Rocket fuel. So yeah. Yeah. So it kind of a lot of ideas there for little things you can stuff in your Jersey pocket and things like that. Um, so another go to me is I make like these little mini pancakes. Oh yeah. So you, you take, they're like silver dollar pancakes. And then what I do is I either stuff them with like savory, savory stuff. I'll, I might, I might put like little cheese and prosciutto between. Ah, sounds weird, but I, no, it doesn't. You know, when you, <laughs> you know, you're going all day. It's like, you're just, oh, the salty savory is just killer. I'm a bit but of a I'll keto guy, make- so I'd probably just eat the cheese and the meat. 
Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't eat the pancake. <laughs> but you that, can make keto pancakes. <laughs> but pa- yeah, you can. Pancakes are awesome because they're pretty neutral, right? So you can make like a savory yeah. sandwich or cover them in butter tart filling. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's like it's endless like that. So um, yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, I'm really about like that kind of mixture of things. But if you're doing like more of a multi-day thing, then um, I always like, and I'm not racing, then I'll try and find a place to have like an actual real lunch. Like a meal. And we do yeah. that cycle. Yeah, we do that cycle touring. We don't, if we're out like all day cycling in Thailand, I mean, we're not just stuffing in snacks. Well, we'll stop at a little local restaurant and try to eat like a real kind of yeah. regular lunch, like a, you know, one of their noodle. Yeah. Pad uh, thai or some, some, like pho, some pho or something. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no need to like not eat real food as well, especially the f- like the food is so good over there. Oh, it's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, like Southeast Asia is like a dream. It's like you can't go like ten miles without finding more s- cheap, delicious stuff to yeah. to eat. So that's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, so obviously, I think fr- from what I've read about you, you're you're super whole foods focused. So is, is, yeah, is that kind of your philosophy is just eat whole foods? Yeah. I mean, I'm not like a slave driver with that, but I, I would think if you were to describe my diet, it'd be more like kind of the Mediterranean kind of style, just more of like lots of fruits and vegetables and, and fish and whole grains. I don't like, I don't follow a set diet. Right. I'm, I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty feel pretty well and I'm happy with the way I eat. So I don't, um, I've never really, uh, tried any diets like that, but, uh, um, yeah, I think the more, the more whole foods you eat, the more of the total nutrition package you're going to take in and overall that's going to serve you well. I mean, obviously you're not eating like a kale salad, like every night, like bike packing, (laughs) that just doesn't, isn't so like short term like that, it's not a big deal to let your diet go a little bit. And I admit like when I tour, um, our diets aren't quite as good as they are at home sometimes. Um, but that's, that's fine. And that's just kind of the way it works when you're out there pedaling all day. And, uh, but uh, yeah, I just, I mean, I love experimenting with new foods, trying new foods. Um, and that probably just also comes with the traveling around the world as well. So yeah, I think, yeah, I think you hit it perfectly there. Whole foods based diet is what I'll probably go to my grave eating. <laughs> right. Yeah. I try to, I try not to eat anything out of a package. I really try, you know, the whole idea shop, the perimeter, you know, try to yeah. not buy stuff in yeah. bags. If you can't, you know, if you read the ingredients, you know, the first handful of ingredients will tell you if you should be eating that or not. Right. It's just yeah. like, uh, they always say, yeah, they, they, they say like, if your grandma never recognized that ingredient, then maybe you shouldn't eat it. <laughs> <laughs> or if you, or if you can't, or if you can't pronounce yeah, it, not always too. Cause, uh, but, um, it's funny you say don't eat anything out of the package, but part of being a food writer, uh, especially for American publishers, a lot of like um, companies send me products. Um, so uh, I get all sorts of crazy stuff to try. Yeah, no so doubt. some of that is definitely packaged food. Is, but, uh, so are yeah, you kind I of buzz- make- you buzzed out a little bit then? When you, you, who do you, you were writing for who? American? A lot of like mostly for American publications, kind of like, okay. um, yeah, Runner's World and Bicycling right. and men's health and those type of publications. Do you, you work with, uh, people with, as a registered dietitian? No, I have to admit that it's been a lot of years since I've done any one-on-one counseling. So, um, it's just the writing really, um, for a lot of years was like dominating my time. Right. And it's something I really enjoyed. So, uh, it kind of just went down that Avenue. Um, and also like I do a ton of like recipe development for publications, cookbooks. So, uh, that eats into a lot of time as well. Right. So it's something I'll probably revisit, revisit down the road. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, the writing, the writing's not quite as what it was, the publishing world. <laughs> Everything's gone kind of online now. Yeah. So it's, yeah. That's, it's cool though that you can do that and you're, you're providing such awesome information to people. I think it's important. Uh, what do you think of all the eating trends? Like I said, you know, I said I was kind of quote unquote keto and, I, I do eat some car. I think I'm maybe a bit more paleo whole foods, but I still eat dairy. Uh, I try to okay. stay away from sugar. I try to stay away from grains. Um, I feel better with the whole foods thing. And my diet's super yeah. boring, super boring, <laughs> <clears throat> but I, I like the way I feel. So I, I kind of don't, 
you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get out of the box every now and then and, you know, eat a whole pizza or something like that. Yeah, but mostly, yeah. like, what, what do you think with all the trends from, from a dietitian I standpoint? I think I see pros and cons to that. One of the pros with the paleo and that, and it's just kind of, we, we were talking about is brought to light. Like, you really need to watch out with all the processed packaged foods that you eat. Um, and I think those type of diets have probably brought those that concern into focus. Whereas, like, I know, like, paleo and keto, and I think uh, Whole30 is another popular one oh, in the States, maybe. One. Yeah, I think that's big in the U.S. And uh, so I think they've really kind of driven home that we should limit our um, intake of, like, processed sugars and, and packaged foods. So I think that's kind of, a like, a, one of more of the pro things. I think the big con is just kind of, what I always hear is like the wild kind of claims. <laughs> it's just, you know, you would think some of these diets can cure, you know, cure all diseases of the planet. <laughs> right. And I, I think there's um, some evidence to show that just eating healthy can alleviate a lot of symptoms for people like, yeah. you know, gut issues or even skin issues. Um, it's important, I think, to to yeah. to eat right and try to stay away from like just packaged refined foods you know yeah and on that point like there's been some studies that came out that tried to for example like comparing a low-fat diet for a low-carb diet and you know they found like at the end of the day it didn't really matter what diet people were on as long as they were overall eating healthy and exercising <laughs> right yeah it wasn't even i mean the, the weight loss at the end of like you know a few months of the study was generally the same Right. Um, they ate different types of foods, but as long as those foods were providing the nutrition that the people needed, and they were also not eating too many calories above what they needed, yeah, then either diet kind of worked. Yeah, because even yeah. you could you could go on a paleo or a keto diet and and eat forty five hundred calories when only you might only need twenty five hundred, and you're going to put yeah, weight exactly. on, right? It's like it's still yeah, calories yeah, no in, what. calories out, right? <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And then, I mean, some of them, I mean, I, I do worry about like the really strict keto diet. Like there hasn't been a lot of long-term kind of, kind of looking at that. And, um, you know, some people who aren't watching, being careful, they might not be getting all their nutrition needs. Like for example, with dietary fiber, and like every week there seems to be another study that comes out about the importance of dietary fiber. And then probably um, just so, as many that come out to say, ah, oh, don't worry so much about fiber. Yeah, <laughs> no, seriously, I, you know, there's, yeah. um, uh, you've probably heard of the carnivore diet. Yeah. Yeah. For sure, yeah. So it's like fiber. Yeah. There's no fiber in that diet. Yeah. And people have been eating <laughs> like three pounds of meat every day for, for decades. Yeah. Right. I think everyone's biologically different. I think that's basically what it's. Yeah. Stands. I think that's, what's going to come out in like the decades to come is more of like eating for your right, like based on kind of like your genes or your 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 um ancestors because i mean there's there's tribes like you know i think i mean i don't pretend i know <laughs> what um everyone is eating but um some of the hunter gatherers in uh in africa i mean they i i think i read somewhere they get like some of them get like 40 to 50 grams of fiber a day because they're eating so many like tubers and things right. like that so what works for them might not exactly work for for example um you know our native populations in the northern you know, northern Canada, I mean, they, they subsist pretty well on, you know, a lot of, you know, high, high fat, yeah. you know, whale blubber, not a lot of vegetables. Um, so, yeah, it's, I don't think, I think you'll see with nutrition advice down the road is more and more like kind of individualized and one, you know, one thing doesn't work for everyone else. Right. So I know, like, for example, like, I could probably guess that the keto diet diet just would not work for me yeah because <laughs> i don't feel like my diet has any problems in it and i don't feel bad i feel pretty good most of the time so switching to another diet i can't imagine it just ramping things up like that much more yeah i mean i think way. they they call it the, the the keto flu i don't i don't think it's i think it's you're not getting sick i i think it's your body just responding to a change in metabolism. It's just like, oh, you're giving me all this weird food now. And now I've got to adapt to that. And you, people will change their diet drastically. Like if you did it, you'd probably feel like crap too. And then 
after maybe four weeks, he'd probably feel great. You know what I mean? Like it's. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I've I don't know either. That yeah. They say you just have to work through it. A lot of it's just, you know, when, you, if you're eating 50% carbs and you go down to 10%, that's a huge, huge difference. Yeah. And your body has yeah. to say, okay, well, where am I going to get my glycogen from now? And then yeah. it has to adapt to that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And my other argument with those, some of those diets is you hear a lot of them for athletes now. Um, but you always have to take the type of athletes. So like an ultra endurance runner who's kind of keeping more at a steady pace for hours and hours and end, um, you know, more of the higher fat diets have been marketed towards them because um, it helps them like keep a better um, regular even keel kind of energy yeah. throughout the whole run. Yeah. So they're not like, you know, bonking and they're not running out of their carb stores. Uh, but if you were to take a diet like that, like a very low carb, high fat, high protein diet, and apply that to, you know, a professional mountain biker, like like a um, rate, a short track yeah. kind of guy. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, like the, the world cross country guys like Nino yeah. Schurter or, you know, Emily Batty, the Canadian, they probably the worst diet probably in the <laughs> imaginable yeah. because they need the, those carbohydrates to go as fast as they are. There's no way you're going to change human metabolism to alter that carbs are an important fuel for high intensity exercise for sure it's, yeah and, and brain function um, like really as well yeah right? so yeah. when i say when i when I, when I read a blogger that say really you know the the high fat diets is really ideal for athletes it's but athletes come in all stripes and different type of activities yeah and so, even like I've heard uh, like deadlifters, right? Guys who are just that short, explosive, high intensity, uh, they need the carbohydrates because they're burning through their, their muscle glycogen. Like after workout, they're, they're tapped and they need a way to get those, their glycogen back up. So they need carbohydrates, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or even um, let's like apply it to like a bike packer. If you're about to try to get up like a, a five kilometer steep climb as fast as you can. Um, it's going to be helpful if you have some carbohydrates in your system. Uh, yeah. That's the way human metabolism works. I mean, carbohydrates are the most efficient, fast fuel right. for your muscles. There's a reason we burn through them because the muscles like to use them pretty quickly. Yeah. And going back to what you said too, about the fat versus carb depend, like uh, endurance versus kind of, more muscle intense kind of exercise is um, I found the same thing when I changed over to more fat and less carbohydrate. I just found my energy level was a bit more just steady where before when I was on a more carb rich diet, it was like I found you'd, you'd bonk like you'd not, not bonk that, not that extreme, but you'd have these super sugar lows and, and your, your emotions were, like your mental state changes, you know, as you're carb deficient and your I found cravings are way higher. I, I had a donut today, so I'm not super strict about it, right? But it's like when I saw that donut, I was just it's like a deep, deep primal give me the donut kind of thing. It's like yeah. it's like, oh I might as well eat it, whatever. I'll go for a ride later and burn it off. <laughs> so I mean you kind of touched on one problem, you know, some people you know, when they switch to a diet, it can totally backfire by just if they're surrounded by like, say you worked at an office where there was donuts floating around all the time. Not all I mean, the time, but backfire. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so people, you know, who um, um, are really craving things, then they can really kind of go overboard. Yeah. Um, but, you know, giving into those cravings. So, I mean, that's kind of the other issue. And when you were talking about the highs and lows, Again, this is kind of more of an individual thing. You know, some people can eat carbs and it doesn't, like myself, it doesn't really affect their energy levels that much. Like there's more like steady. Um, but it's just the way some people work. It must be how their insulin is secreted and how it, uh, the sugar is taken up that let's say you ate that donut, a lot of sugar in it. And then it gets just, you kind of get this high and then all of a sudden like a big drop in blood sugar. And that's where kind of the energy level starts to fluctuate. The mood starts to get kind of, you know, a little bit hairy and also work, you know, it can also strike cravings, you know, make it even worse. Like so, you want another one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I, I, <laughs> I, I think I have a uh, pretty good discipline. I think there's a bit of a discipline component to that. Like I've had the internal conversation 
already when I see the donut. I'm like, do I really need that donut? I don't know if I really need that donut, but I have this great fresh hot cup of coffee then it'd be really good. To- <laughs> yeah. So you're always kind of like bargaining with yourself to, I do anyway. I don't, I don't make a big, but I lost a bunch of weight by, by, by changing my diet. So I was doing something wrong before, you know, and it, it works but for me. Worst, yeah. The worst thing I could ever do as a dietitian is say you should stop because if it works right. for you and you're happy with yeah. it and you're generally meeting your overall nutrition needs, yeah. then who am I to say, you know, one diet's better than the other. Right. And I, th- I don't think it's, and I don't think really keto is something that, or those, I don't like calling them diets. I hate the word dieting. It's just like a lifestyle thing to me. It's like I choose to to fuel my body a certain way and everyone chooses a different way. But I find that I don't think they're really full-time lifestyles. Like you can go on keto and be super aggressive for a month and you could probably lose some weight if you wanted to lose weight, but then reintegrate some carbohydrates, like live a little, you yep. know, you can have a piece of cake or you can have those pancakes or you can have that stuff. It, it's almost like a, a maintenance discipline. It's like, Oh, I feel after the winter, especially it's like, you know, I fat bike all winter, but it's just something about our Canadian biology and winter. And we just kind of put weight on, right? It yeah. just kind of happens. <laughs> and, uh, it's, it's like, okay, you know, I'm feeling, put my bike shorts, my summer shorts on. I'm like, okay, we gotta, we gotta do some, make some changes here. <laughs> so I do keto for a month. Oh, I could fit in my shorts again and then start eating, you know, kind of normally again. And I don't know. Every, everybody's different. What do you think of the new, uh, Canada food guide recommendations? You know what? I think that is one of the most forward thinking kind of food guides that I've seen. Um, actually I just wrote a little article about it for an American thing and saying oh, yeah? how they should actually, cause they're, they're new ones due in 2020, um, and how they should be really looking to ours and, you know, they should actually be pretty jealous about it. Uh, I know, you know, some people are not going to agree with it based on, again, maybe if you're really hardcore keto, you're going to look at that food guide and be, there's not much on there. But, um, I mean, if we could just summarize it, it's, you know, it's, if you look at the food guide, it's a graphic of a white plate divided into three sections. Uh, and, um, one section of the plate is fruit and vegetables. The other is whole grains and the rest is, um, a variety of proteins, both animal based and plant based. So they've gotten away, gotten rid of the the number of servings. They're not telling you you need three dairy servings anymore or two whole or like these say like something like you need X amount of uh, grain servings a day and X amount of that percentage should be whole grains. So they've gotten away with that, gotten rid of that right. and just made basically made it a whole food based food guide with some really just kind of easy recommendations like cook more which most people probably should do yeah. because once you cook more, not only do you save a lot of money, but you also control what you're eating, um, get to experiment with new foods and pro and studies do show that people who cook more generally have a more, uh, uh nutrient dense diet, um, than those who eat out more often. Uh, so there's, and there's like recommendations to eat with people more often. Make, yeah. I saw that the social well, aspect. Social yeah. Cause there's a huge, one of the things that's um, kind of ready to go the way of the dodo is family dinners. Yeah. And, you know, studies show again, I'm mean, keep bringing up studies show again that, you know, families eat together are happier and also healthier. Yeah. Um, so they're bringing, you know, kind of recommendations like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I sound like a dietitian, but I haven't been <laughs> so fond of prior kind of Canada food guides. But this one really. I saw it and I'm like, oh, I finally it appeared to have no industry influence. And in America, they've always had problems with, right? Um, you know, you know, the dairy industry, the meat industry really chiming in, uh, the beverage industry, which is very powerful lobby. Um, but the Canadian one just seemed to be based on, you know, what nutritionists and scientists have been saying for the last several years. And uh, it looks like they really did listen. <laughs> Yeah, it looked good. It, I, I liked it just because it was more just whole food based. You yeah. know, it was just focus on on you know fruits and veggies, uh, nuts and seeds, you know that kind of thing. It it almost kind of was um, more paleo esque. Really, it's like there's not not a lot of meat. I, I you know that's that's kind of one thing. The whole protein thing, whatever. <clears throat> but they tell they don't say 
eat, they don't necessarily say eat less, you know, of anything. It's just, I mean, meat, you see there is meat in that, you know, yeah, protein of aspect of the photo. So you can make it what you want. Yeah. You know, you could, for example, you could take that plate and make, you know, the grain section a little, or, you know, you know, have the sweet potato in there instead of like the, the rice or, yeah. or as the, as your grain and then make, you know, the veggie and the protein just a little bigger. Yeah. There's so many options and, around those food yeah. groups. If I don't know if they're calling them groups anymore, but yeah, there's lots of latitude there to, to make your own yeah. decisions on what you put on your plate. Really? Yeah. yeah so yeah, cool. but I'm glad you brought that up because, <laughs> you know, I've been trying to just tell people how much I actually really think they really kind of nailed the mark on that one. Yeah. And it yeah. seemed to be a, um, like you said, with the family dinners, right? It seemed to have more of a, a social tribal kind of thing to it. It's like, you know, uh, you know, eat together more, you know, kind of that almost the nuts and seeds, the whole foods thing. And their recommendations were very kind of soft. And then, and it's just like, just really just eat healthy food. That's what they're saying. Right. And it just, yeah, it's, it just makes sense really. Yeah. And if you, I, if you eat mostly those healthy whole foods, your diet's just going to fall in line probably. Yeah. I mean, you can't, it's really hard to, you know, eat too much kale and <laughs> to the point where you can put on weight. So yeah. it'd be a lousy. That's the thing. You could eat, you could eat two kilograms of nuts, right? And it won't be the same. Like, and that has however many hundreds of grams of fat in it, or you could go eat like three big Macs, right? And obviously you're better off eating that nutrition from the nuts, which is probably way more bioavailable than anything you're going to buy at a restaurant, a fast food yeah, restaurant, I should say. And to that point, again, um, if you're looking at the science, they're now more and more proving that a calorie is not a calorie. When I was going into nutrition school back in the 90s, so I date myself a bit, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it was a lot about like, you know, calories are kind of created equal. You know, as long as you don't take in more calories than you burn, you won't gain weight. But if you take in more calories than you burn, you'll gain weight. But now they're looking at you know, 100 calories from broccoli is not the same as 100 calories from, you know, Burger King or something oh, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, of course. That's almost so, common sense. It's, it's, yeah, to me, that's common sense. Yeah, but now coming more at a, a biology level in your body is, uh, so, for example, like, four, uh, a gram of carbohydrates has four calories, but that's just based on outside your body. Once, you know, those four calories go into your body, everything gets processed differently. So it's not necessarily four calories anymore. Right. And for example, they found uh, almonds have less calories than what they originally thought because some of those calories are bound up and they don't get digested properly and they oh, pass through you. I eat a yeah, hell of a so, lot of almonds, man. There I you go. A ton <laughs> of almonds. <laughs> I, probably eat a, I probably eat a couple kilograms a week. Oh man, you're keeping like California farm in business. You know, I feel, I feel kind of bad too because apparently they're not an environmentally friendly nut. They require a, 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 crap, a lot of water. A lot of water. So it's like, oh, I'm killing nature with my <laughs> almond habit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, California. So what's your day job? What do you do? You're a writer. My day job, yeah, is uh, like a full-time nutrition writer and uh, recipe developer for various publications. Yeah. So uh, there's a, a formidable list of some of the publications you write for. Do you want to name a few of them where people can find you in there? Yeah, I think uh, in Canada, mostly like a Canadian cycling magazine, uh, which people haven't looked at is, I, I really think that's a great magazine for Canadian cycling. Lots of good topics. Um, and they're a champion for all sorts of different uh, sports, like cycling, um, types of disciplines. So I'm really happy to write the nutrition column for them awesome. and each of their issues. Uh, the other one I write for quite regularly is a live magazine, yep. which you'll, most people can find in health food stores. They've been around for eons. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> they were like, yeah, they were the original granola magazine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's, cool. and then, uh, I would say most, but most of my, um, work comes from South of the border just cause that's, there's more opportunities for that. Um, so a lot of the publications like, uh, men's health. Uh, bicycling, runner's world, um, and a, like a scattering of other cooking and health oriented magazines. And you wrote for bikepacking.com as well. 
Yeah, uh, there's yeah, an article in there, a short article. Yeah, I put a little article about making your own fuel. Yeah, a couple recipes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that kind um, of stuff. Yeah, oh, sorry, go ahead. I do a bit of travel writing, but um, but yeah, I would say mo- like 95% the food and nutrition um, angle of things. All right, and then that segues well into your, your book, Rocket Fuel. So the importance yeah, so, of making your own food and... Yeah, so the premise of Rocket Fuel is, again, yeah, like you're fueling your body with what you make in the kitchen. Uh, so there's three sections to the book. Uh, the first section is ideas for what you can eat before you before you work out. So it's not just cycling. It could be, I mean, I've, I've geared it towards all sorts of, you know, running, um, canoeing, whatever your adventure or activity choice is. Um, so kind of ideas for like, um, things you can easily eat before you work out. And then the middle section is about things you could take on your workout. So portable kind of portable um, items. So like ideas for homemade energy bars and balls and all sorts of also some things people didn't really kind of think about. And um, the last chapter is more about, you know, refueling after your workout. So right. kind of ideas for, you know, stuff you can get kind of nourishing nourishment into your body to help you recover a little quicker. And also, no, go ahead. No, no, go also. Yeah. It was just, it was also the premises trying to make like, you know, exercise more fun because it's kind of like, Oh, it's, you know, you got all these like really delicious kind of ideas and it kind of makes you motivated. to (laughs) (laughs) Gotta earn it. Yeah. The summer I was testing the recipe, developing this book, I had to exercise a lot. <laughs> yeah, Cause I was just because, eating so many of those, those balls. You had to like, <laughs> I mean, like I can't have like this post-workout, like smoothie bowl without working out. I mean, yeah. that's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's awesome. So what do you recommend for, um, for recovery? Uh, recovery. I look kind of, that's kind of where I look for more of, um, a good mixture of like the protein and the carbs. Um, so low carbohydrates to kind of replace those energy stores and the protein to help kickstart, uh, the muscle repair, right. Uh, different sports are different, you know, running, um, usually puts a little more, uh, strain on the muscles. So sometimes a runner may need more protein after a workout than a cyclist will, uh, depending on, you know, the type of workout. Kind of like the level but of impact. Yeah. So generally that was kind of like a, what you're looking at after a workout um they used to say there was a window of opportunity where you had to eat like within an hour after your workout or your recovery would suck yeah but now they're kind of chipping away at that oh yeah <laughs> at a little bit and saying it's more of like the overall diet pattern right and as long as you you know you get what you need within like a few hours or so then um it doesn't just shut down immediately after your workout right that way so um that's cool but yeah for me I love like long summer day ride and not knowing that I have like this awesome idea for something delicious when I get home. Yeah. It's kind of, kind of adds enjoyment to the whole experience. I used to, um, I kind of stumbled across a recipe of my own cause I used to bring, um, I, I went for this long ride and I was looking for food to take with me and I got a Ziploc bag and I put, um, I think at the time it was just peanuts, like a big handful of peanuts and, <laughs> like this, some people probably get grossed out by this, but a big handful of coffee beans, right? And I was, I was a coffee roaster, and then I would take a big handful of chocolate chips and I put it in the Ziploc and shake it. So it was kind of like a trail mix. And I didn't mind eating coffee beans, like roasted coffee beans. It's just crunchy and good, gets in your teeth a bit, <laughs> right? Whatever. So I went for a ride and it was super hot. I pulled my snack out and it had it had uh, melted. So in the bottom of the Ziploc bag, there was this tube and it was basically this chocolate peanut coffee tube, right? (laughs) And I pulled it out and I was like, oh, this is pretty cool, actually. It's like this bar and I ate it. And then I uh, developed a recipe using uh, brown rice syrup, um, oats, like large flake oats, ground coffee and uh, peanut butter. And it made it into, uh, it was just one of those no-bake things, right? And I called them... uh, because I used uh, Indonesian coffee in it and I called it Indonesian buzz bars and they were oh, super man. good. Like they were, that, yeah, it was, it was ground coffee. So it's like, you know, it's, 
I'm not very picky. It wasn't super palatable because, you know, you're kind of chawing on coffee grinds, but it's, it's all in the, the, the syrup and the chocolate. And it was just, ah, oh, so good. Package that sucker up and sell it. I tried to, <laughs> I tried to sell it to the place I was working at before, but they never, they never pulled the trigger. Maybe I'll edit this out. I don't want anyone to know my secret. <laughs> right. You get caffeine and I would put the coffee in, in the melting, um, brown rice syrup in hopes that I would extract a little bit of caffeine from the, from the coffee. I'm not sure that worked because I don't think it's, uh, I don't think coffee's, or I don't think caffeine is uh, fat soluble. I think it's more water soluble. So I don't think it really worked, but it tastes damn good. <laughs> so what other books have you written? Um, so the one other one I got is, it was like my first cookbook was called a uh, muffin tin chef. It's kind of just a dorky little thing. <laughs> it was uh, how you can make everything you can think of, like in like a portable kind of like mu- or individual serving muffin tin things. Just so you know, pressing it into a like, muffin tin. Yeah, yeah, like mini meatloafs and uh, um, kind of mini uh, egg cakes or it's frittatas. That's a great idea, frittata. That's amazing. That's a really yeah, good idea. Or like you take. Um, yeah, like for example, a meatloaf. You put it all into like you know muffin tins. You got individual servings, and it cooks a lot quicker. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, well, that's good. And so I, I was doing some reading because you know I try to study up a little bit on on the people I'm going to talk to. So tell me about the James Beard Award. You run you you won an award for culinary excellence. Is that what it, that's? For? Yeah, it was more. It was, yeah, it was more for the writing for a piece I wrote a long time for a part of a series with a Men's Health magazine. Okay. So it was it was kind of on a, based on that um, um, topic I mentioned earlier about the calories, how you know you can um, tweak your diets to play the calorie kind of game, so it works in your favor. Um, for example, there was a really um, a prominent scientist in the U.S. who kind of uh, determined that humans kind of got smarter and bigger and we evolved into the society we did today because we started cooking our food which allowed our bodies to obtain more nutrition and calories from the food that we were eating so it freed up time because we didn't have to like gnaw on like raw <laughs> stuff like all day long like you know our, yeah. our like chimpanzees would have to do that's why our jaws so, got uh, weak yeah yeah and right it, 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 it <laughs> <evolved>. yeah <laughs> evolved with that way so it's re- there's re- lots of and it re- also I mentioned like kind of the almonds how they're finding that they have less calories now so it's a lot, it's pretty fascinating research yeah um, so yeah like I got this like kind of pretty awesome award from the James Beard which is kind of like the culinary uh, Oscars yeah yeah um, so super super stoked about that um, I didn't go down to the awards I think they were in New York maybe yeah it was just too much travel for <laughs> for one day kind of thing yeah. but uh, you should just rode your bike yeah. there yeah, yeah it was probably not i don't think it was the right time of season a couple thousand kilometers <laughs> in south it's all good <laughs> i'd have to figure out a route from toronto to new york that doesn't kind of suck <laughs> oh my god yeah all that pavement would be horrible <laughs> hey i wanted to uh i know this might fragment the conversation a bit but did did, did you we talk about the bt 700 enough is there anything else you want to talk yeah. about with that? Because, you know, I mean, primarily yeah, we I want think, to promote that, right? So, yeah, I think there's a couple of things on that. I mean, I already have, it's kind of crazy for the Grand Depart, which is July 14th. I have uh, so far 70 riders signed awesome. up, which is a huge group. It doesn't mean like 70 will show up to the start line, but I mean, no. even if you had 50 riders, that's a pretty, pretty big group. Um, and also there's a bunch of riders who are going to, cause it's an open, open sourced route. So people can ride it at any time of year they want. Um, so there's people who are going to do it at other times of year as well. Cause that, you know, the, that one week doesn't work for them, which is awesome. And I'm hoping that, you know, um, people along the route see riders throughout the season. Um, just kind of, uh, um, I think that'll be really good for the local economies as well. And, um, so the other thing is I'm also trying to work on some like little extensions for the route. So I want to create like um, kind of optional loots for people who even want to make it even more, you know, even more grand and bigger or, for or, the years to come. Or shorter for those who just want to get out and get a taste. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I'm working on like a little, uh, like it's a 300 kilometer kind of loop. So I mean, that could be a standalone, standalone uh, thing for someone as well. That way. Um, so yeah, I think those are the major things. I have a lot less rules. Are there rules? <laughs> I think what do you mean? There are no rules. rules. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I don't really, I really, I just as long as people are out there, that's all I kind of care about. If if somebody wanted to get their significant another to follow them in their car and carry carry their stuff, I'm okay with that. It doesn't really doesn't really bother me that much. It's you know, it's what people want to make the route their own. Then I'm totally fine with that. That's awesome. I think you're going to yeah. find there's going to be people at the pointy end of the stick who who are going to hammer, and then there's oh, yeah. going to be the the folks kind of like just who want that experience and the camaraderie and the just the good vibe that it's going to have. So, yeah, yeah, I already yeah. get that sense for sure. Yeah, and count on you have seventy this year, and that's not enough people. You Ontarians, if you're listening to this, or you Eastern <laughs> Canadians, if you're listening to this, sign up for this race. Let's support Matt. Um, but next year, yeah, if you got seventy this year, next year you'll probably get eighty, ninety. Once it gets out there, and it gets promoted, and people start talking about it, because that's what happened with. Uh, I think the first BC Epic had I think sixteen people. And then okay. the next year it had, I think, 35, 40. And then last year, I think there were between 70 and 80. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. So, so that would be something like this. It would like, people would be so stoked on it for the first year or so. And then, you know, after a couple of years, it would be, you know, pretty like petering out a bit. There's people who ride the the BC Epic or the the Alberta Rockies the old route, or there was another one called the hurt in Albertan, which kind of goes out into, um, uh, out, out from a bicycle through the, um, uh, through the badlands there. Uh, people ride that every year, every single year, like the BC Epic people go and do that every single year. They just do it and do it again and do it again. I think one, it's enjoyable. And two, you know, it's kind of, um, the competition in these things is more with yourself, right? Like, you know, you're going to go out and you're going to decide how you want to ride that race and you're going to either hammer it or you're going to tour it and have fun and ride with the group. You know, as the organizer, you might want to talk to those people, right? But next year, you're going to go, you know what? I'm going to do it in three days and you're going to go and you're going to like, you know what I mean? <laughs> it, it kind of evolves. And then the people who wrote it this year who maybe will, you know, some might scratch, you might have some attrition and they're going to come back with a vengeance to, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to redeem themselves. So yeah, you're going to, that's why I say you got to keep it going. Cause I think it's going to grow, especially with the, uh, the populace you have out there. There's so many people and you're going to yeah, get every year you're going to get thing. newbies doing it. And I think it's fantastic. I think it's awesome. And the good thing about it is the loop is I could even next year I could run it in reverse. So it's a whole new experience as yeah, well. Totally. And yeah. there's probably a lot of options. You could even change the route. Yeah. Maybe. Or, yeah, this year, like, also, I'll be looking for feedback as well. I oh, mean, of course. I mean, I we I scouted it mainly with my girlfriend, um, and you know, that's two sets of eyes. So it'll be interesting to see how it's viewed through, you know, hundreds of different eyes. Yeah, <laughs> that way. Yeah, yeah. So, is there more? Um, is there more history to the BT, the butter tart, or is just the the prolificness of the? Is that a word? Prolificness, <laughs> or is it just how prolific butter tarts are out there? <laughs> I think it's just how prolific, but there was, I think I mentioned on my website, there were two counties or municipalities in Ontario that were fighting over the term, the butter tart trail. <laughs> and I'm not sure what came of that because originally I was like, Oh, I'll use something like butter tart trail. And I was like, I researched, it, I go, I better not use that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. You're going to have to bring out a pan of them to the start. Yeah. I'll have to figure something yeah. out. Do you have any other projects coming up? Uh, the one race I'm, um, or event I'm thinking is someone who's coming up from Vermont to do the BT 700 mentioned that they're, they're, they're put together a big new route in Vermont cool. that might start up in September. So that sounds pretty interesting because Vermont has got just most beautiful kind of countryside kind of back road gravel roads that I haven't even tapped into at all. So that probably a lot, be, lots of climbing in there too, right? Yeah, even with definitely more than what what I got out there for sure. Yeah, so uh, that could be kind of interesting. And then other than projects, just 
I'm always, we're always trying to think of where our next kind of cycle touring will be. Yeah. I was going to ask that. So, that was my next one. Where are you going to go next? Well, we kind of have a bucket. I've, my bucket list is kind of one is for sure Scotland because that's really grown over the years as yeah. a kind of a bike packing kind of yeah. kind of mecca. And you can hop cabins, just, right? What are the cabins called? What do they call them? I know. Oh, I have to remember that word too. Yeah, it's Lord, a, no. I could Google it I'm right in front of my computer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know I, what you mean. Yeah. Um, um, so, what's the snowpack around the BT? Do, like, do you think you could run that as a winter ultra? Uh, you know what? Our Ontario winters are so all over the place now. We have so many freeze and thaw cycles. Yeah. You're going to have to probably get pretty lucky. Um, with that, we just, uh, we don't have, sometimes we don't have the consistency that we've normally had historically. Yeah. So, but I think like with a lot of like good snow, then a lot of that, yeah, could be definitely fat bike potential. Yeah. Because that's something I, t- I talked with a guy last week uh, on the next podcast. He was trying to get a winter ultra in Canada organized because I don't think there is one. And uh, it could it could be uh, one of those um, preliminary rides that you would do to uh, qualify to get into the ITI, uh, the Iditarod Trail Invitational up north, because you usually have to finish a couple of those races before you can get into the ITI or be invited to the ITI. I was just wondering, because it would be, you know, the gnarlier, the better. Can you imagine yeah. doing, doing the BT 700 in an ice storm with a fat bike <laughs> and studs? It'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We got a lot more icy winters now. So yeah. Yeah. My parents are yeah. back there. They say the same thing. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, man, thanks for taking okay. the time. Hey, where can people find you? Where, where's the best place people can find you out there on the webs? So a few different places would be, uh, MatthewKady.com is kind of the personal website. Um, and then there's the BT700.ca, or the bike packing thing. Um, and Instagram is a hashtag at, or not hashtag, at Rocket Fuel, Rocket Fuel Food. Okay. Those are the three big places. And if anyone out there wants to uh, sponsor Matthew and get him a smartphone, <laughs> it would probably make us. <laughs> like a lot worse yeah you're, you know what you're totally right <laughs> it would make it probably I'll tell you funny, worse. Sir. yeah tell me after we've, we've uh we've been cycle touring for a lot many many years and this last year was the first time we ever brought a phone to costa rica with us so that's amazing i have to leave it up to my girlfriend tabby to try to figure out how to do the whole sim card thing and everything is she <laughs> is she the techie yes and no <laughs> so so do you still type on a typewriter I'm kidding. Uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, sometimes. <laughs> I retired that sucker last year. <laughs> right on. Hey, man, thanks for taking the time to talk to me today. All right. Thanks, Steve. All right. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. Okay. Bye-bye. Yeah, good night. Thanks again, Matthew, for taking the time to chat. I'm sure the BT700 will be a success and butter tarts will never taste the same. Also, thanks to Rebound Cycle for supporting the bikepacking community the way that you do. I got a sneak peek at the giveaway, and it's awesome. Remember to drop into Rebound Cycle and use the secret password BAMBAM to save 10%. And to get in on the giveaway, send an email to tyson at reboundcycle.com and put BAMBAM in the subject line. You can send me your voice intros, feedback, and guest suggestions to bikepackcanadapodcast at gmail.com. Until then, my friends, get out there, ride bikes, sleep in the woods, and keep the rubber side down.